Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. All right, welcome back to the program, continuing uh, an off-season edition of the Saints Wire podcast here. And, John, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for the Saints to make some moves in free agency, and they um, they signed somebody. So just, just recently they signed someone. So I want to get your, your take on that here coming up. But let's start with kind of the biggest story since we talked last. Uh, you know, an important player for the Saints, to say the least, Marshawn Lattimore, getting arrested. Now, reading the reports, it seems like this is less of a horrific incident as it is just really poor judgment by Lattimore. His attorney's calling it a misunderstanding, but still, it's a situation involving guns and a traffic stop and possibly lying to police, and it's just not a good look for a a really important defensive player for the Saints this offseason, John. No, the the timing really could not have been worse for for all involved here, but both for the Saints and, and for Lattimore himself. Um, as the top corner on a depth chart that is very thin right now. Um, and so the, the bigger issue here is that, well, number one, that, that he didn't declare that he had a firearm on him. Um, number two, that it turned out the gun uh, was found to be stolen out of a, out of a nearby neighborhood in, in uh, Cleveland. And so in the end, he was charged with a fourth-degree felony. Um, he had to pay uh, $50 to, be, to, to bail out um, on Saturday, and then he bought his mom a new car a few hours later. So he's obviously not too concerned about this. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like it, it was. You know, you, you you hate to speculate this early in the process, but it doesn't seem like it was as uh, world breaking of a scenario as it at first appeared. So, you know, uh, he he waived his right to a preliminary hearing. It's going it's going to advance to a grand. Uh, a jury trial in, in the months ahead. So this one will play out in the legal system. We'll see where it goes from there. But, you know, um, given his status as a professional athlete, you know, a $500 bond and $50 to bail out, that, that, that's not the, the steepest penalty, I think. So that, that would give me some, some optimism that, you know, he's not going to see any jail time. He's not going to be suspended. Uh, he's not going to face any league discipline. Uh, that you know, hopefully this will be behind us in a few in, in, here in a few months. But you know, as, as I said, we're we're very early in the process, and we don't really want to read into things too deeply one way or the other. But it's certainly something the Saints have to keep in mind, um, especially as they advance deeper into the off season, and when when you you know t- take take stock of their roster and what their plans may be, not just for this year, but for the years ahead, with Lattimore being in, entering the final year of his rookie contract. How are fans kind of feeling about this, John? Because it seemed like you see the headline, like fourth degree felony charge for Saints top cornerback. Like it just makes you like, what? You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, and then given the fact that, you know, Jack Rabbit was released and the Saints, as you said, not very deep at the corner spot right now. This is probably the last guy you'd want to see getting in legal trouble. Uh, so w- what's it been like on social for uh, Saints fans? Are they kind of freaking out about this thing? It's, it's obviously had a lot of disappointment involved uh, very, very widely. Um, you know, some skepticism was out early about exactly what had happened and whether this was really a big deal or not. Um, but, but, you know, by and large, what I'm seeing is, you know, well, this is the typical Saints. You know, every day it's something with this team. Yeah. Uh, we, we had that, that, that meme from, um, I think it's the office, where it's the zero days since last nonsense flying around. <laughs> um, 
And so it's like it's always something with this team. You know, we, we, we can't, can't just have a regular week. can just have a regular 24-hour news cycle. Uh, there's always something going on, you know, whether it's the, the top corner, uh, the top, well, the top number one out of five um, getting involved in legal issues. It's, it's just always something going, going on with this, with this team, with the Saints. And um, you, you just kind of have to learn as much as you can about the situation and compartmentalize it and, and, and move on. So, Hopefully, this is something that, that that Lattimore and the team can can move on from fairly quickly. But we kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, if it wasn't for this Lattimore uh, news, then the biggest story would be the player that the Saints recently signed, a defensive end who played for the Chiefs. I'm gonna. I've learned how to say his name, John, but you're, good luck spelling it. This is one of those difficult names, right? Uh, but Chiefs defensive end Tano Passignon, former second round pick, or he was a second round pick in the 2017 draft. It seems like the Saints are kind of taking a wager that he hasn't really hit his ceiling yet. He's a big dude, big man, 6'7", 289 pounds, uh, but only seven sacks in 61 career games. So, uh, But, you know, the Saints addressing a position, you know, that's of obvious need with Trey Hendrickson leaving in free agency, right? So what do you think about the passing on signing? Yeah, it's an interesting move. Uh, he's an interesting player. You, you, you cannot teach a guy to be six foot seven and... You know, that that's definitely a skill set that any team would like to add to their depth chart. And I think that's the move here is that he is a depth signing. He, he is being brought in as a likely backup, which is what Hendrickson was his first three years with the Saints until he broke out last season. So w- looking at how the roster is constructed, looking at his probable role, um, it, it feels like we're expecting Cameron Jordan to start on one side, Marcus Davenport on the other, and then we're go- going to rotate in uh, passing on and uh, Carl Granderson as the backups who are going to play fairly often in that rotation. You know, the Saints, they don't like to ask their starters to play 80% of the minutes up front. I mean, they, they want these guys to stay fresh. They want to platoon at, at those spots and they want them to play often. And so I, I think there's definitely room in the rotation for passing on, especially after Hendrickson left in free agency, like you pointed out. And, you know, ho- hopefully the Saints can make the most of his skill set. I will say that their defensive line coach and assistant head coach, uh, Ryan Nielsen, is probably the best position coach that, you know, Passignon has ever worked with. Uh, he's someone who worked he worked out Passignon before the 2017 draft privately. Uh, they had, had, a, had, had a great um, individual workout session there. And uh, so I know the Saints are excited to have him, and he, he's excited to be in New Orleans. So it's a two-year deal. It's got some creative accounting going on with a few void years uh, and some um, – salary cap maneuvering, but it, 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 at the end of the day, it's a two-year deal. Uh, well, one thing that's interesting to me about that is Marcus Davenport is entering the last year of his rookie contract. So if the Saints either don't re-sign him after the season or if they choose not to pick up his fifth-year option for 2022, uh, then you, you can say, okay, we, Davenport, we're, you know, that, that pick was a bust, we're moving on from it, but we have passing on. He, he's a backup who already knows the system. He's already under contract for another year. We can bring him back and start him off at the Cam Jordan, and then we can and then we can figure it out. So to me, that this is it, it's a good move now to round out the depth chart, but it's also got some implications further down the line, and I'm really interested to see how it all plays out. Right, and then the other name that they added is tight end Nick Vanett, and you know another one that is not so surprising given the fact that Josh Hill is now in Detroit, right? So you add another blocking tight end to the group. You've also added fullback Alex Arma, who we've talked about in the past here. So uh, you kind of talked about the offense a little bit on Saints Wire this week, John. You know, maybe they're going to protect Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston a little bit in that backfield. 
by establishing the run, right? And and maybe relying on that rushing attack a little bit more in years past than maybe what we're used to with Drew Brees and how that offense looked with Brees. And we haven't talked about fantasy football too much yet. It is, uh, you know, April. But, uh, you know, maybe we should look at Kamara. I mean, obviously, he's always a fantasy stud, but maybe we should start looking at him in, in the way we look at Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. I mean, if we start to think like the Saints might focus on the rushing attack first, like Kamara is just going to be, he's going to be obviously the focal point of the offense for sure going forward. But do you think that's where the Saints are headed on offense? Maybe a shift to like a power rushing play action type thing? Yeah, it's certainly where I would go. Like to, to me, the best position a new quarterback could step into after Drew Brees would be an offense that's built around maximizing Alvin Kamara and getting him, you know, 15 car- carries per game and doing a lot of play action passing to uh, keep the read simple and uh, help them avoid mistakes. So th- these moves all make sense to me. Alex Arma, he- he's a better athlete than Michael Burton was. He's going to be able to make more blocks and more more spaces than Burton has in the past than Zach Lyon has in the past. The, the-, the fullback before Burton, who is you know still very well regarded in New Orleans. Um, Nick, Nick Finette, he- he's been part of some very uh, good rushing attacks going back to his college days. He was the lead blocker for Ezekiel Elliott on a lot of touchdown runs back in the day. Go, go back and watch that, that Buckeyes championship uh, game footage. Uh, you, you'll see a lot of 80, 81 out there. So, Benet, he, in, in his blocking ability is what has kept him in the NFL. He's only caught, like, I think 75 passes in 70 games, uh, played in his career. Um, so, he's not much of a receiving threat, but he does, he he's sure-handed enough. He, he's only dropped one pass in, over the last few years. Um, so even though he's not seeing a lot of volume, he is doing what he can to, to you know, make, make the most of those opportunities. So I definitely think you're, you're, you're on the right track with him being the Josh Hill replacement. I think Adam Troutman is going to be your Jared Cook um, successor. And hopefully, the, you know, the second-year pro can go out there and make some plays down the scene, just like he did at, at Dayton a few years back. So we'll see where it goes, but I like these moves. I really like the idea of making Kamara the focal point more than he already has been. Uh, last year, Kamara averaged 12.5 carries per game. That's the second most he's ever seen in a, in a full season. Uh, his previous high is uh, 12.9 or 13, something like that. So if we can if we can get him up to 15 carry touches for uh, 15 carries per game, and he's still effective as a receiver, um, I think you have to like that, especially from a fantasy football point of view. All right, coming up next, our thoughts on what the Saints might do on day one of the NFL draft. All right, so the Saints have the number 28 pick in the draft. John could be thinking cornerback. As we mentioned earlier, they released Janoris Jenkins and Marshawn Lattimore has all of a sudden got some stuff going on off the field. And as you wrote on Saints Wire, right now it's a it's a battle in training camp between Patrick Robinson and P.J. Williams. So not sure if that's where you want to be. Saints should definitely probably add not to quite. that. Yeah, they should probably add to the uh, secondary. So maybe they'll do that in the draft. Maybe they'll do that on day one, John. Now, assistant GM Jeff Ireland attended the pro day of J.C. Horn, who's not only one of the top corners in this year's draft class, but probably uh, a guy who, you know, at least a name that a lot of old school Saints fans are going to recognize, right? Because Joe Horn was a former Saints great. So, uh, you know, maybe he's a possibility. I, I did see that touchdown wire on USA Today had Horn going number 16 to the Cardinals, but you never freaking know. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, but I've also seen a lot of people mocking edge rushers to the Saints as well. Now, not sure if uh, passing on and that signing changes that thing, but it seems like there could be a lot of good players available still at the back end of day one. Yeah, I think the Saints are in a good spot to get some good value at their position. Um, I, 
I love J.C. Horn. I don't think he's going to be there at 28. Um, he, he's looking more and more like a top 10, top 12 <laughs> yes. uh, prospect as, yeah. as the days go by. Uh, a great follow on Twitter is um, at MathBomb. He, he puts together these athletic composite scores where he, he looks at historic uh, combine and pro day workout data, and he can tell you where a player's workout uh, ranks over like the last 17 or 1,800 prospects. J.C. Horn is number one. Number one out of 1,700. <laughs> All right, we're dreaming um, so at 28, he, then. <laughs> yeah, we're dreaming at 28, man. Um, it, it would be great. I'm sure Jeff Ireland is is hard at work uh, looking at the board, seeing what they may have to give up to in order to make that happen. Um, but at this point, it's a pipe dream. And so, to me, what's interesting would be the ripple effect. Uh, which players take a tumble in the draft because J.C. Horn is, you know, validating his game tape by working out so well and hitting so many benchmarks for so many teams. One name I'm, I'm watching is Virginia Tech corner Caleb Farley. Uh, he, he's a former projected top 10 pick who, you know, he, he's got some injury issues. He, he missed one year of college with an Achilles. He opted out of last season, and now he's having back surgery despite having not played football over the last year. Um, and so he's, not, he's also not working out at, at a third because he's going to be recovering from back surgery on herniated disc. So he's someone that has played very well whenever, whenever he's healthy. He's going to fall in the draft, could be available at 28. And I feel like the Saints could ask themselves, like, hey, if we can find a veteran, um, somebody like T.J. Carey, who, who the Saints hosted on a free agent visit recently, to kind of hold down the fort until Farley is ready to play, uh, that might be someone they, they take a swing at there at the end of the first round. So I, I do think that until they have an answer at corner, that they need to evaluate all options. And I think that there are enough options in this draft where they can totally pull the trigger on one. Now, obviously, on the other end of the draft at the top, John, there was some big news in the NFL with the 49ers jumping up from number 12 to number three. And uh, it costs a lot, huh, to do that, to, to move up 10 picks about? It, it costs a lot to do that. They had to give up multiple first-round picks in a third-rounder just to get up there. So that was interesting. Yeah, a whole, a whole Laramie Tussle oh, yeah. pull that off. No doubt about it. So the, Niner, the Niners jump up to number three. Then the Dolphins trade with the Eagles, and so there's all kinds of movement there in that top six, top 12. So I don't know if like it, it generally means anything specifically for the Saints, but what did you think about, you know, what struck you about the Niners and that news about them jumping up? Seems like they hate Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And then, of course, everyone's going to start speculating, oh, they, where's Jimmy Garoppolo going to land next? Uh, but what do you think about that, Niners jumping up to three? Yeah, it was kind of surprising, but it was just because it kind of runs against how the 49ers have conducted business. Um the, the GM and the head coach both signed six-year contracts whenever they took those jobs. And so they've been very patient up until now. They've kind of taken things as they come along, uh, whether it's Garoppolo um, acquiring him and, and paying him a very large contract that he you know, ha- hasn't really uh, validated since then. Um, you know, they've really been content to kind of roll, roll with the punches and take what comes to them and make, make the most out of it. Uh, so this was a very aggressive move from them. And to me, it, it says – they know who they're picking. Like they know which quarterback is going to be there at three. They're going to draft him, and we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that Garoppolo is going to be moved in a, in a trade. I don't think that's going to happen because Garoppolo is one of the few quarterbacks around the league who has a no trade clause in his contract, and so he can say, "No, I, I want to play in San Francisco, or I want to choose where I go, and I'm not going to approve a trade to, you know, wherever it may be." Uh, I don't even know where. Denver, Minnesota, wherever he's being linked to these days. I just don't think that's going to happen. 
It also wouldn't shock me if they do let him play out this year and, you know, prep the rookie behind him and then, and then give, give that guy the, you know, the keys to the offense in year two. A lot like we saw the Chiefs do with Alex Smith and um, oh, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> just, yeah. just a few years whoever, ago. Whoever that so, guy is over there. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that multi-MVP, uh, $400 million, whatever he got. Yeah, that guy. Um, it, it was kind of surprising just because this is, a, this is not how the 49ers have operated. Um, but, you know, props to them for, you know, they've kind of done the same move that the Rams just did where – they got two years of Jared Goff on a, on a big money contract and said, no, we can't do this anymore. So they're, they're getting out of it and they're making the move. And we'll see if the 49ers go the distance and end up cutting or, or somehow finding a trade partner uh, that Garoppolo would approve a move to. Um, but, but I would expect Garoppolo to remain the, the QB for, for for this year, potentially. Like, and, and that really shouldn't say anything bad about any quarterback that they draft at three like them not being ready or anything like that. Like if they're paying Garoppolo anyway, uh, why, why not just write it, write it out, uh, see if he can get you back to the playoffs again and then make, make the switch. So we'll see how, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, Hopefully it doesn't come back to a bite the Saints or anything like that. <laughs> It'll find a way to, John. No, I, I agree. I agree with you oh, 100%. Yeah. I think what it means is the Niners are going to draft a quarterback, which is what you said. Very likely that the first three picks in this draft are quarterbacks. So, you know, an, another story that Saints players are reacting to on social media, maybe we could leave it here, John, is uh, this thing is this thing is going to happen now. There's been a lot of talk about it, but now it's going to happen. The NFL going to a 17-game regular season. And uh, Alvin Kamara didn't really, you know, mince words or parse words on Twitter when he said, uh, quote, bleep dumb as hell. Uh, Cam Jordan also reacted. Not popular for the players, right, as it's another game that's just going to put their bodies on the line. And But I think for the league, it gives fans another week of fantasy football and NFL sports betting, right, which is huge. And I think another positive, I guess, from the outside, you know, I can understand why the players are upset, but from the outside as a fan – Last year's playoff races came right down to the wire with the new format, and in theory, we'll get to string that thing out for another week, right? Maybe that's another positive, but what do you think on this? Are you are you on the side of the players where this is dumb, or are you on the side of maybe a lot of the fans where we're like, ooh, we get more football to bet on and more fantasy football and all that? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are enticed by the idea of more, more football another week of the season. Um you know, just more and more and more. And I totally get that. But I have to side with the players here because, you know, studies show that playing a full, you know, 60-minute NFL game, is, that's equivalent to being in, in a low-speed car crash. And you're doing that week, every week uh, for, for about three or four months. And that's going to put a lot of stress on your body. It's going to shorten your careers just from the number of hits guys are taking over time. Um, and I, I definitely think that it's got some downsides. So, you know, the, ultimately, the players know a whole lot more than I do about what what goes into playing the, the sport, what keep, what into what what goes into keeping their bodies in shape to perform at a high level, um, and asking them to continue to, to stress that out for another week is going to is going to be a price to pay for that. And you know, I really hope that we don't see any upticks in injuries or um, lowered levels of performance or, or th- things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, speaking purely as like as a spectator, as, as a league observer, I do think it's a lot of – I do think it's, it's a fun idea to, you know, expand the regular season, to add more opponents, 
to find a way to have more games um, between teams that don't see each other very often. Um, There's a great stat. Let's try to pull this up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers only played Tom Brady like, let's see, if you thought the sausage gets made, dear listeners, Rodgers and Brady have met head-to-head just three times over their careers. Crazy. Um, that's absolutely crazy. Now, part of that is how the schedule is, is generated. Um, but at the same time, like these are two of the best quarterbacks in, in the game, uh, probably the, the best, or, well, the best two over however old Patrick Mahomes is right now. Um, and they've only faced each other three times. So, well, possibly four, including the playoffs now, but I, I don't know. Um, the, the Google blur didn't give me all that. But at any rate, that, that, that speaks to why it's important to expand the regular season a bit beyond the, the, the monetary uh, incentives there. Like, we're going to have opportunities now to where, you know, the, these NFL legends who haven't seen each other that often are going to play each other more often with the new rotating schedule, and that's going to add more opportunities to um, you know, clear up guys' legacies and these debates that we record podcasts in April about. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I do think there are plenty of upsides, but we also have to be very aware that there is a real cost to playing the sport, and the the damage that it puts into, into these guys' bodies is real, and I think we definitely need, need to uh, speak respectfully about you know, what they're putting themselves through. Yeah, I agree. Just happy for the content here in April, John. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, Absolutely. you know, I know, I know you're a big uh, NBA guy. Go Pelicans. Uh, go Zion. Yeah. But, you know, the one thing that I worry about is if, as we start lengthening the NFL, as we start creating more games, more weeks, as you said, more, more uh, wear and tear on the players is the load management thing. I think the beauty of the NFL is that you tune in on a Sunday or a Monday night and you know that if your guys are healthy, they're going to be on the field no matter what. Um, not necessarily the case in the NBA. You see a lot of star players taking days off and you start adding more games, John, you're going to have to give the players something back, which is like, re- you know, either reducing their schedule, their contact during the week in practice, or maybe it's guys being like, I need a, I need a week. You know, I need a week. I need a health week. I need, you know, I need a break. We might start seeing that if we keep on kind of going down this road. That's the only thing that worries me. Like I don't, I don't want to see the load management thing creep into the NFL. Yeah, and I feel like that, that's kind of inevitable though, because we're, we're seeing teams, you know, bench their starters in week seventeen. I think the Chiefs were on autopilot last year after like week fourteen, where, where they, they they just were not playing the starters very often or for very long once they had that number one seed locked up. And I just don't know that, you know not expanding the regular season what would have slowed that trend down. I, I do I agree it's going to accelerate it um, because, because we're going to see the teams say that, hey, we can't play um, Cameron Jordan 1,100 or 1,200 snaps any, anymore. Like, or, that, or that's where it would be if we're playing 17 games. So we're going to have to, slow, to kind of slow, slow our roll a little bit and um, make sure that guys are not getting gassed that, down the stretch. And I, I think that's inevitable. I think it already was to an extent, and now I think that's going to accelerate. So that, that's definitely something to watch out for. Oh man, if 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 receivers start taking less play, you know, if they start playing less because they don't want to take as many hits. Oh, the fantasy people are going to be so upset, <laughs> so upset. I wanted my Kenny Galladay oh, catches, with, and especially if they're heaven forbid they're they're doing some TikTok dances on okay. the logo. After. Oh yeah, like yes, yes, yes. It, it would it would be a meltdown. One hundred percent. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you all next week. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.